How's everyone tonight? Good. 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 You know, yes, that's, that's what I want to hear. We get to um, Wednesday nights, and some of us were either plateauing and we're still going because we're headed to Sunday. And some people have already hit that low for Wednesday, and we're going to have to pump them back up on Sunday because they're going so far down on Wednesday. Um, I like to consider myself as one of those who's always up. Okay? And the only reason that I'm always up because I get up so early in the morning and I have my time with the Lord. So I really don't give myself time to come down. <laughs> but it is an honor and a privilege to, 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 to share with you guys tonight. I pray that you receive what God has given me. Um, this is bittersweet for me because this is the first time that pastor is going to actually be here as I preach. So I, I pray and I hope that you guys will pray with me that I don't mess up. Because <laughs> this could be the last time these Jordans walk this floor. <laughs> no, but um, it's kind of like I'm, I'm about to play this baseball game for my dad. So thank you for allowing this opportunity. You can do it, son. <laughs> I um I want to say first of all that my lead cheerleader is not here right now. My wife, she's she has a, a meeting at school right now with the people there, and so I wish her well. She'll probably scroll in here and and be with me after a while, but. I have family first here already, so this is good for me. Thank you, thank you. Uh, let me just open in prayer right now. Most gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you, dear Lord, for this opportunity. I thank you for this time that you allowed me to share with them what you shared with me. Father, I pray that the word will go out and not come back void because that's what your word says, that it will not come back void. So as I release this tonight, I pray Dear Lord, that you would hide me behind the message. Allow them to take what you have for them tonight, dear Lord. And I will be sure to give you and you alone all the honor, the praise, and the glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. Um, if you could turn to Hebrews chapter 6. And let's start at verse 13. When you get there, say amen. amen. If you're not there yet, we'll wait for you for another two seconds and then we'll proceed. Amen. Let's do this. Um, okay. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13. You know what? I'm, I'm going to start from 11. But before I get there, let me just uh, do this little bit of thing here. Look at your neighbor and say this. My anchor, my hope. I expect my promise to come to pass. One more time. My anchor, my hope. 
I expect my promise to come to pass. Amen. You know, looking back at, uh, out the window of my youth, um, it's kind of like in life we begin with, with hope. An innocent childlike faith that cannot be wavered. An inspiration without a doubt that is unstoppable. Youthful, innocent, impressionable sponges that are willing to take any risk, yet understanding that they cannot cross that line because we are warned that there are boundaries. So we attend school, and by some amazement, we connect with teachers that see our drive, our sense of urgency, our potential, and then they begin to help us tap into that life goal. We are shown new things that spring up new opportunities, and we run into hopefuls that try to lead, to, that try to live out their lives through us, desiring for us to be successful and push us to be the best. They direct us not to make the mistakes they made and live in the same mistakes they lived in, in hopes that we can take heed and finish the race successfully. So then we can feel some type of achievement through our lives. These are true in all our lives. There has always been someone that has tried to direct us into another world that contradicts their world so they would not have to feel the sorrow of failure the way that uh, we don't have to feel it the way that they felt it. So now I fast forward to this present time, to this contemporary environment to where it seems like because of my age, it is actually eluding me right now. I was doing something the other day to where I had this young man and he was like, all you have to do is screenshot it and send it to me. I act like I knew what I was doing for five minutes. <laughs> and then I said, look, I don't know how to do this. Here, you do it. That generation, he took it and he screenshot it and he did that. So it's this contemporary environment right now that I, I, I'm trying to stay connected in. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to stay connected to them. And any of you that are at my age or above, we need to stay connected with them. That is vitally important. And so you young guys, younger than I, I say thank you for doing what you're doing with me, to me, and for me. Because right now it seems like the mentor is being mentored by the mentees in order to keep me connected in this contemporary environment. Amen. So that being said, let's, 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 let's get moving. You know what? I'm going to start from uh, verse 11. And um, I'm reading from the Amplified because I, I like the way that this is going to kind of tie into what I'm doing. Verse 11. But we do strongly and earnestly Desire for each of you to show the same diligence and sincerity all the way through in realizing and understanding the full assurance and development of your hope until the end. In order that you may grow 
disinterested and become spiritual sluggers, but imitators, behaving as though as do those who through faith, by their leaning on the entire personality on God in Christ, in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness, and by the practice of patient endurance and waiting are now inheriting the promise. For when God made his promise to Abraham, he swore by himself, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, saying, Blessing, I certainly will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. And so it was that he, Abraham, having waited long and endured patiently, realized and obtained in the birth of Isaac as a pledge of what was to come, what God had promised him. Men indeed swear by a greater than themselves, and with them in all disputes, the oath taken for confirmation is final, ending strife. According to God also, and his desire to show, more, to show more convincingly and beyond doubt to those who were to inherit the promise, the unchangeableness of his purpose and plan intervened, it mediated with an oath. This was so that by two unchangeable things, unchangeable things, his promise and his oath, in which it is impossible for God to ever prove false or deceive us, we who have fled to him for refuge might have mighty indwelling strength and strong encouragement to grasp and hold fast the hope appointed for us and set before us. Now we have this hope as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. It cannot slip and it cannot break down under whoever steps out upon it. A hope that reaches further and enters into the very certainty of the presence within the veil where Jesus has entered in for us in advance, a forerunner having become a high priest after the order with the rank of Melchizedek. Wow. Wow. When I, I read that and I was putting this message together, I was like, wow, that has everything that I'm talking about. It has my anchor, it has my hope, and it has my promise. Praise God. You know, when you look at the book of Hebrews, the Hebrew church in particular at this time, uh, it was a letter going around to all the churches. And and in fact, they called that a circular letter. And pertaining to this circular letter was the fact that uh, the Hebrew church and Judaism, they were clashing and they were clashing pointedly to the fact that the Jews were not only related to their nationality, but it was part of their religious belief and religion. 
and political aspect of their lives which were intertwined so completely and so totally that they were to move, if they were to move from that religion, they would literally move from their ethnicity right. and their racial foundation. Yes. So now you're looking at that, and then here we go. You, 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 not only was that going on, but you have this group that's following the carpenter's son. Some of these Christians, they're following the carpenter's son. And at this time, nobody is actually acknowledging Jesus Christ as the Messiah, Even if you check within our contemporary environment, our society right now, the Jewish people, the Jewish people as a whole, did not believe that Jesus Christ is or was the Messiah. So give thought to this. For those who had initially begun to follow Christ, um, and when you initially follow someone, there's bound to be opposition to you following them, especially to everybody else around you. And in that case, you have a tendency to want God to show up right then and there and say that you are right for following him. They didn't have that. So I know that if you've ever had a vision from God and God has shown you the plan and the pattern for this, this vision that he's given you uh, and you try to articulate it and, and, and share it with others around you, more than likely they're going to look at this and say, you have lost your mind. And they say that because what they have done is they have evaluated and looked at your circumstance and they have said that there is no way according to what you look like and where you're at right now in your life, there is no way that this is going to come to pass. They can't see your vision. But here's the thing. It is not for them to see. To be quite honest, I don't believe uh, that we should be too upset with people like that. Right, right, sure. Because when God gave you this, this overwhelming vision, you found it hard to grab a hold of it too. Right. And so what does that say about the neighbor who does not know God, who heard you say this vision that God has given you, I, I, I can't blame them for feeling the way that they feel. <laughs> so if he gave it to you and you had a little trouble grabbing hold of it, I understand that neighbor. But don't let that discourage you. Use it as a stimulus to let everybody know that it was really God. Now, here's, here, here we go. As you walk with God, you will find out that the world is always beckoning. Mm -hmm. 
The flesh is always pulling at you. Satan is always seeking after you. <laughs> but add that to the fact that God is, is, is moving you from your tradition because of your relationship with tradition. Get this. Many times you have to fight the people who are closest to you in order to move away from what they decided is the way your life should go. Because everyone else's life is going that way. And you have to decide that the battle is not going to just be on the outside with them. But sometimes it winds up being on the inside with people that are closest to you. This following Jesus ain't an easy thing. (laughs) And so let's get this. And so as these people that are following Jesus... uh, And so because he did not come so quickly as they wanted him to come, God now has to move in a way that motivates us to follow him. I'm about to show you all something in a minute. I find it an interesting thing that he gives us and he strengthens us with groanings that cannot be uttered. And it's then that he begins to move into our spirit. My relationship with God is not one that is sensual. Sensual meaning that my hands are sensual, my my nose is sensual, my eyes are sensual, my mouth is sensual. But because of that, Jesus... Is never recognized. He's always revealed. I cannot connect with him on a sensual level when he's dealing in a spiritual level. Sometimes we have a tendency to say that, oh, he or she is anointed. You cannot assess anointing if you're not in the spirit. You you can't do it. You can't do this cognitively or intellectually because anointing has to be revealed. It has to be revealed. When God has revealed something to you, you cannot allow yourself to talk your way out of it because you don't see it. It's not about seeing it. It's about it being revealed. Okay, get this. (laughs) Two ladies are pregnant. They both have a baby in their womb. These two women come together and meet. One is Mary and one is Elizabeth. Uh Now, inside the belly, the the babies, they're they're separated with, with two layers of skin, but baby Jesus is connected with Mary Through the umbilical cord. Now while Jesus. 
is in the belly, in the womb. He, he's not reading and he's not, he, he's not scrolling through Facebook or, or Instagram or any of that. Because at the moment he's unconscious. He, he's not cognitive to what is going on. Now, the Bible says that John and Elizabeth's belly, this is he left when they came together. The unconscious John in his mother's belly, it was revealed to him that Jesus was the Messiah. Right. Put your seatbelt on. <laughs> A little while later, the same John, now a conscious John, he sent word to Jesus saying, are you the one or should we look for another one? Are you the one or should we look for another one? Mm-hmm. It was revealed to John in his, conscious, in his unconsciousness. The unconscious John had a revelation of Jesus while the conscious John he found it hard to accept the fact that this was Jesus. Right. Let, me, let me tell you this. Don't ever, don't ever let anyone talk you out of what has been revealed to you. Amen. Don't even allow yourself to talk yourself out of what has been revealed to you. Amen. I want to jump into hope now. Hope. You know, sin leaves us hopeless. Continual sin, it will leave you hopeless. Right. It will leave you so empty that you will find no hope in this life, yet you're desiring to start over. And it will distress your soul. And it will have you looking out a window of sorrow instead of looking out a window of hope. You know, being able to preach this this evening and being able to present to you that there is one who we worship, one who, who, who brings hope to the hopeless and starting over the master of second chances, this wonderful, majestic Savior is Jesus Christ. You no longer have to be the one looking out of that window of sorrow. You can now be the one, the hope that someone begins to look out of the window of hope. This hope we have 
as an anchor of the soul, both secure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil. So, <laughs> the anchor was a symbol of hope. So when we say an anchor of hope, I don't believe by any stretch of the imagination that wealth is an anchor. I don't believe that, that popularity is an anchor. However, I do believe that wisdom, loving kindness, courage, and faith in Christ is an anchor. Amen. Jesus is our hope and our anchor. You know, storms, they, they will come. You must be anchored in Jesus Christ. Tragedy will come. You need to be anchored in Jesus Christ. Death and chaos will come. You must be anchored in Christ. What, what are you anchored? What are you anchored to? Who are you anchored to? We want to believe that the Savior of the we want to believe on the Savior of the world, but how can we when some churches are mocking the very one who came to save us. Right. Now, if I'm speaking as one who's not saved, I would say it is hard for me to believe in the very one who you exploit people with. I had hope, but now I'm hopeless. What do I do? Do you know that sometimes uh, I, I looked up a little bit about hopelessness? When people say that I don't care, they don't have a care, and there's nothing left, there's all hope is gone, two things. They become homicidal or they become suicidal. That's why we have to have our anchor of hope in Jesus Christ. Yes. <laughs> the real question is, this is probably for someone, and, you know, the reality of this is this evening, it might be you. You're trying to figure out what is real and what is not. You first need to realize and establish what is real in order to compare it to what is phony. Government, government investigators or government people as well as Chick-fil-A cashiers, they're trained to find out what a counterfeit bill is. They don't find out what the, real, what the counterfeit is by studying the counterfeit. They find out that the counterfeit is fake by studying the real thing. So if you're trying to study the real Jesus... Now you get a hold of, this is real, that is phony. So now I have something to compare it to. So now I know for a fact that my anchor cannot, should not, and will not be anchored into someone that is phony or something that is phony that cannot save me or hold me. Where is your anchor? What is it being held to?
you know, uh, we need a sure anchor in a time of trouble. And sometimes it's a, it's an easy thing for us to anchor our lives, our livelihood, everything that we believe in, in something that's not going to hold. You know, sometimes we need an anchor to keep us where we should be. Come here, Blake, for a minute. You see, don't let it go. Blake, for argument's sake or just for visual, he's Christ, my anchor, inside the holy of the holies, because that's what it says, anchor that the hope is. Right, it is available. Now, a lot of people, when they get upset with the pastor, they want to say, I'm leaving the church. I'm, leave I'm leaving the church, but if you're anchored in Christ... In the holy of the holies, you can't leave just because your flesh says it's time for me to leave. You can't leave. You can't say I'm leaving the church and I'm going back to my drugs. Oh, no, I can't because you're anchored into the holy of the holies. You can't say I'm leaving the church because sister so-and-so said something to me. No, because you're anchored in the church. Where are you anchored to? What is keeping you in the church when it should. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Thank you. Amen. It's good. The anchor. Good. The anchor, my promise, my hope. You need that anchor to hold the ship. You need that anchor to stabilize the ship. You need that anchor to allow the ship to maintain the progress that it has made. You know, the glory of God and the promises of God are seen even in the darkness when you're anchored to him, yeah. the anchor of hope. I'm hurrying. <laughs> you know, troubles may do many things. They can do many things. But when you're anchored in Christ, all it does is build you up the more. It builds you up the more. Our anchor is like every other. <laughs> when your anchor is truly in use, it is out of sight. Yeah. You, you, you can't even see the anchor. Unless it's one of those 
small stream anchors or a grapnel anchor, one of those ones that you can still see from the... But if it's a true anchor that splashes in the water and it goes down and it holds onto something that's going to hold you in the stormy times of your life, then that's the kind of anchor that you need. Right. You know, um, the anchor that has held me for X number of years, um, I don't try to break away from it. I let it just keep me here and allow me to circle where I'm supposed to go. It allows me to go where I'm supposed to go. And so the anchor connected to the hope is also a promise. He said, I will go and prepare a place for you That was a promise. And I can remember years ago, looking out of a window, I don't know which window it was or where I was at or whatever, but I can recall looking out that window, asking God, when are you going to show yourself real to me? Because what's going on in my life right now, it doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem real. Where are you? I'm pretty sure some of you have had that same question, whether you were flying on a bus, riding or whatever. You had that question that sometimes, God, where are you? What are you doing? And the thing is, when you're looking out those windows and you don't understand about God and you're asking, am I worth it? He will truly tell you, yes, you are worth it because his arms are wide open. And he took it to the cross just like that. He, he, He was there for you. I want to go back one thing and say this, and then I'm going to get to this and, and get us out of here. You know, when, um, when things are revealed to you, and I say you, you sometimes you tell it to people, and, 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 and they look at you and they say that you're, you're out of your mind because of the way that your life looks now, and I just saw what you were doing a couple weeks ago and how dirty you are. I remember 20-something years ago, I, <laughs> life had been taken on changes and twists and turns and everything, but I knew that there was something I was supposed to be doing with my life more than the garbage that I was doing. Yeah. So I woke up one morning, and I, first of all, I shared it with my wife. Dear, I think God told me I need to preach. She didn't look at me like I was out of my mind. She says, well, okay, what are we going to do? She said, I think you need to go tell Pastor Garcia. He was my pastor at that time. And so I went and I told Pastor Garcia, I said, look, I said, Dad, this is what I believe God has called me to do. And he says, son, I tell you what, no one wakes up one day and said that they're supposed to preach because if they do, they're out of their mind. I said, yeah, I believe this, Dad. This is where he says, son, let me pray for you. Let's, let's pray right now. 
And those are the kind of people that you want to stay connected with. Amen. Whatever goes on or what you take away tonight, take this with you. You have to have hope in Christ. Do you know as young kids, if some of us can think that far back, um, the greatest thing that we can have is hope. Let me tell you about this gentleman here, um, Eugene Lane. Says he was a self-made millionaire, and he changed the life of sixth graders in East Harlem. Uh, it was a school of black and Puerto Rican underprivileged kids. And so he was speaking to them one day, and he could not get their attention. So what he simply did was says, okay. He put his paper down, and he simply says, if any one of you would graduate from high school, I will help pay for your college tuition. A lot of those kids, had he not showed up that day, they said they would have been, you know, no doubt dropouts. However, 90% of that class went on to graduate. I did a little homework on him. He actually donated over $150 million to charities for kids to graduate and get a true education. And one of the kids, after that time talking with him, said, this has been golden to me because it has given me hope. It has given me hope. That day that I sat in Pastor Garcia's office, it gave me hope. Simply sitting there with my wife, too, she gave me hope. If she had said, this is not for you, I probably would have walked away. If Pastor Garcia had would have said, son, this is not for you, I probably would have walked away. But how many of us know that if God is intended for it to happen, man can't do a thing about it? Okay, so uh, we can settle that right now, that even though... I did share that, with, and that was the hope that they could have almost crushed my dreams. I stayed within the parameters of what was revealed to me Amen. from God. Amen. And I say that to say this, that had I not, I think of all the, uh, the, the altar calls that I made that would not have been made had right. I given in to the, what would have somewhat been called discouragement. Um, I'm closing now. Um, Jesus never told us that this life would be without troubles. He never ever said when you came up to that altar or wherever it is, you gave your life to him that this is going to be the easiest road you've ever taken. He never promised that. He says that there will be troubles. There will be trials and tribulations. You will be offended. But we have to understand also that he says, I will always be there with you. I will never, ever forsake you. Amen. Never. So tonight, I 
really just wanted to touch on the fact that you have to have an anchor in your life. And that anchor has to be Christ. He's the hope also. But more so than that, we got to understand that he has all these promises for us. That all we have to do is we have to just take these promises. Stand on them. Put them in your pocket. Apply them. Do whatever you got to do. The promises are yours to take. Stop allowing people to talk, to allow you to talk yourself out of your promises, out of your hope. And just have that anchor there. That brother right there behind pastor just saying thank you. Because that was probably for him to hear today. Why did y'all show up? It was just for him. No, I'm just <laughs> No. So, you know, I, I, I thank you guys. I, 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 I had a full course meal here. All I gave you was some potatoes and a couple pieces of veal. But I hope you're satisfied. <laughs> so I, I thank you guys. And it's such an honor always to share with family first. Amen. Let me pray you guys out of here if it's okay. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Most gracious Heavenly Father, dear Lord, you are so faithful. Amen. You're faithful to your word. Yes, you are. You're faithful to those who serve you. Amen. So, Father, I pray tonight that each and every person under the sound of my voice will get an understanding tonight that they always need hope and anchor you. They need to open up and grab hold of the promises that you have given us. Father, I pray tonight that you will not let anyone leave this place without knowing that they can always have hope in you. We understand what happens when we become hopeless, when we don't care. But Father, I pray right now that you will bless everyone under the sound of my voice, dear Lord. Father, give them strength where strength is needed. Give them healing and restoration where those areas are needed. Father, I thank you for who you are and what you're doing in my life, dear Lord. I thank you. And we will be sure to give you and you alone all the honor, the praise, and the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Thank you, guys. Praise God. You know, I just want to say one more thing here, and then we're going to go. Because that call to preach wasn't just received by you, it was revealed to you. It wasn't you heard this in your ears or saw it in your eyes, it was revealed in your heart. And uh, you knew that you were called because that was revealed to you by the Holy Spirit. And I don't know how many of you realize that Pastor Cleo preaches uh, every Sunday or, or every other Sunday at Hernando County Jail. And uh, I know many, many dozens of men have come to Christ uh, at the Hernando County Jail in the last few weeks and months and years. And we, we praise God for that. And uh, I just wanted to pray for you. Father God, I just thank you for Pastor Cleo. I thank you, God, for the call to preach the gospel. And I thank you, God, for the open doors there at Hernando County, at the facility there at the jail, that the men come and they're in a desperate situation. They're in a hopeless situation. But there's a man that's got an anchor within the veil. And his anchor is tied to the source of Jesus Christ. And he's able to throw out that limelight, that, that, 
that, that lifeline to everyone else, Lord, that hears his voice. And I pray that in the weeks and months that are to come, there will be dozens and hundreds more of men that will come to Christ through this ministry in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord Jesus praise and thanks tonight. God bless you so much. Have an awesome, awesome, awesome night tonight. Good to see everybody. God bless you as you go.